Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 11 o'clock a.m. Pacific Standard Time. It's the 18th day. Wow, man, Christmas is coming quick. 18th day of December already, 2023. And this is episode 834 of Bitcoin. And I was on Frog Talk. They had uh, uh, the guys over there at Frog Talk did their usual, Sir Sleepy and, um, oh, uh, Tannel. Is it, I don't know if it's pronounced Tannel or Tanel or Tan, well, I don't know. Great guys. And they did a 24 hour frogathon. I was like, I think I was on hour number six. Um, I think somebody, they, they recorded it, but I don't know if they released that or anything like that. If you want to go listen to it, uh, hit up Sir Sleepy or Tannel and see if they can uh, put you in the uh, right position to get a hold of the hour long talk that I did with them. A lot of fun. Those guys are a lot of fun, man. I had a blast. And any, any single time that they want me to come back, I will do so. So, if Sir Sleepy or Tanel, if you're listening to this, just keep that in mind. All right, here we go. <clears throat> you're going to love this one. The first, first story out of the gates from No Bullshit Bitcoin, which I usually kind of contain until the end. But, dude, this one... This one's got to come straight out. This is out of Tether, right? Your good friends over there at Tether, the stablecoin Tether. That's right. Tether says we've onboarded United States Secret Service and the FBI to our platform. Yay. How's that for a Monday story? <laughs> Tether recently onboarded the United States Secret Service in onto our platform and is in the process of doing the same with the Federal Bureau of Investigation. The company Tether wrote in a letter addressed to Senator Cynthia Lummis. Quote, in a recent letter shared with U.S. legislators, Tether CEO has elaborated on his methods to prevent unsavory individuals from using the company's USDT stablecoins, including by onboarding the Secret Service and the FBI to the company's platform, reported the block. Quote, the November 16th letter, there are two, the November 16th letter outlined Tether's anti-money laundering and know your customer policies and standards and describes its proactive and extensive cooperation with law enforcement agencies worldwide, including the United States Department of Justice, and the United States Secret Service. The December 15th letter, about a month later, lays out Tether's proactive decision to align with the Office of Foreign Assets Control, specially designated nationals list, extending sanctions controls to the secondary markets to ensure comprehensive security measures. Tether's active role 
in assisting United States law enforcement agencies includes partnerships with the United States Department of Justice, the United States Secret Service, and ongoing efforts to collaborate with the Federal Bureau of Investigation. This collaboration aims to combat illegal activities and aid in fund recovery, and was stated as was stated in the company's blog post. And finally, Tether seeks to be a world-class partner to the United States, not Europe, not China, not Japan, not Australia, not New Zealand, no, no, a world-class partner to the United States as we continue to to assist law enforcement and expand dollar hegemony globally, stated Paolo Arduino, CEO of Tether, WTF. That last one, we're going to read it again. You know we are. But understand that I'm I'm giving you a pause so that you can get your mental shit together so that you can listen to this again. This is one of the one of the reasons why I repeat some things is because you know like you're listening to the radio and you're kind of like zoned out and you're kind of dazed or doing whatever or maybe you got distracted by a kitty cat crossing the street and like on the radio you just catch like the last half of a sentence and you go what the fuck was that? Well, I I hate that. So I am practicing this whole thing of we're going to do it again. This is the words of the CEO of Tether, Paulo Adoino. Tether seeks to be a world-class partner to the United States as we continue to assist law enforcement and expand dollar hegemony globally. Right in that sentence. Paolo unzipped his fly and pulled out his britches, bent over, and showed everybody his ass. We now know that Paolo Arduino has absolutely no love for Bitcoin whatsoever. He's a fiat man. He's a fiat man. He wants to expand the United States dollar hegemony. Where to? The center of the planet? It's not like it's already the hegemony. And we know what problems this has all caused. The whole reason Bitcoin came about was because the dollar hegemony and its inability to control what it thought it sought to control. It's ridiculous. This is a sentence that I would have never in a million years thought I would hear from this particular individual given his statements in the past. But if he is now hell-bent to expand the dollar hegemony worldwide, how is he not Jerome Powell? How is he not Gary Gensler? How is he not that dress-wearing troll we call Janet Yellen? Corporate wants you to identify these two pictures. Well, they're the same picture. I don't know what to tell you. But man, that's not good. It, it's just not good. So I don't, what to do about it? I don't know. I don't use Tether. That doesn't mean that because I don't use Tether that it's just going to magically go away. But I am. if I had ever once even thought about wanting to use Tether, that, that, that idea is now dead on the vine. I'm not touching this shit with the 10-foot pole. It, I, I'm surprised. I'm actually floored that I read this. 
that this shit would have come out of Paolo's mouth. I, it's frustrating for a Monday. It really is. It honestly is. But we have spot Bitcoin ETF news. Out of Bitcoin Magazine, which I know everybody is is pissed off at right now, but I'm not exactly happy with Decrypt, Cointelegraph, or any of the other news agencies reporting on Bitcoin because it all seems that they always just go into immediate shitcoinery, dragging everybody with them. But this is where the news is actually printed, right? So here it is out of Nick Hoffman and Bitcoin Magazine, Spot Bitcoin ETF Applicant Bitwise releases a new Bitcoin ETF commercial. A commercial, not not an application to the SEC. No, a retail-level commercial that you will see probably on Netflix. Maybe we'll find out more here. Bitwise, the aspiring applicant for a spot Bitcoin ETF has unveiled a captivating commercial aimed at advocating for its upcoming Bitcoin exchange-traded fund if approved by the Securities and Exchange Commission. Quote, a word to the wise from a man of few words hashtag bitcoin is interesting bitwise said oh god is that the catchphrase <laughs> no the commercial appears to be targeted towards the older generations like gen x and baby boomers with a classy and sophisticated style that those generations are used to watching on the television in between their favorite shows and sports quote you know what's interesting these days bitcoin said the actor in the commercial. Look for Bitwise, my friends, end quote. This release arrives at an interesting moment as the SEC continues to evaluate numerous applications for spot Bitcoin ETFs. Bitwise, along with several other financial firms, has persistently pursued the establishment of a spot Bitcoin ETF, aiming to bridge the gap between traditional finance and the burgeoning Bitcoin market. While the commercial aims to familiarize a wider audience with the concept of a spot Bitcoin ETF, it is also helping garner support for their application, potentially influencing public opinion and regulatory decisions regarding Bitcoin investment vehicles. Bitwise remains hopeful that this latest promotional effort will contribute positively to the ongoing discourse surrounding the approval of a spot Bitcoin ETF, potentially marking a significant milestone in the adoption of Bitcoin within traditional investment portfolios. Okay, so here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Commercials are expensive to make. They just are. At any professional level that you choose to look at a the full-scale production from starting with nothing to going to something that you can put on air, broadcast level quality, it ain't cheap. And it takes a long time. And time all, you know, equals money anyway. So let's just say this shit ain't cheap. Why would you do so? Why would you do Is it a bet? Are they flipping a coin that there's going to be a spot Bitcoin ETF? I doubt it. I'm telling you, man, these people know something that they know something's going on in the background and they're getting ready for it. And none of these people are the kinds of people that just make bets on whether or not the SEC is going to do something or not. There are degenerate gamblers all over this space. Yes. But when it comes to business decisions, not so much, not the guys at the top. Like we just saw Paolo Arduino cozy up to the United States secret service and the department of justice, because while I may hate that decision, I, it seems evident 
that he knows how to operate in this environment. That doesn't make him a good person, by the way. I'm just saying that he knows how to operate in the environment. Bitwise, they're not stupid. They're not dumb. So why, why cut the expense to build a commercial to broadcast quality with a specific demographic in mind if it's just a hunch or a gut feeling that you're going to get a spot Bitcoin ETF? I'm telling you, something's going on behind the scenes. They know about it and as a fact, and we don't. We're the ones that have a hunch, a guess, and a gut feeling. The guys over at Bitwise, they actually know something of facts. That I'm sure of, but I can't prove it. Speaking of the spot Bitcoin ETF, will it be a bloodbath for crypto exchanges? According to one analyst, it is. Helen Parts, Cointelegraph, while the crypto community eagerly awaits the possible approval of a spot Bitcoin ETF in the United States, some analysts are warning that this could potentially trigger unwanted consequences for cryptocurrency exchanges. Several industry observers have predicted that a spot a BTC ETF could start trading as early as 2024 in an event that, when paired with Bitcoin's upcoming block reward having expected in April, Blockstream CEO Adam Back believes it could propel the BTC price to $100,000. Bitcoin proponents such as Jan3 CEO Samson Mao have said that approval of a spot Bitcoin ETF in the United States could even drive Bitcoin as high as $1 million in the day's two weeks following. But the forecast isn't that optimistic for centralized cryptocurrency exchanges. According to ETF store president Nate Garachi and Bloomberg ETF analyst Eric Balchunas, once approved, a potential spot Bitcoin ETF in the United States would be a bloodbath for cryptocurrency exchanges, Garachi wrote on X. Oh, God dang it, I did it again. Garachi wrote on Twitter on December the 17th. According to Garachi, retail spot Bitcoin ETF buyers and sellers will benefit from underlying institutional trade execution and commissions. On the other hand, retail users of crypto exchanges will get retail trade execution and commissions, Garachi noted, stressing that those will need to improve to compete with spot Bitcoin ETFs. Bloomberg ETF analyst Eric Balchunas emphasized that a spot Bitcoin ETF will cost 0.01% to trade, which is the average fee for ETF trading. In contrast, trading costs on exchanges like Coinbase can reach 0.6, not 0.01, but 0.6%, depending on the cryptocurrency transaction side and trading pair. Once approved, a spot Bitcoin ETF will create more price competition in the crypto industry, bringing money back to investors from exchanges that spend massive amounts of cash to advertise their services at events like the Super Bowl. Balchunas believes, oh God, I can't wait for the Super Bowl commercials this year. It's going to be a fucking bloodbath itself. Quote, it would be the last crypto Super Bowl if they launch ETFs because ETFs are such a thin rough industry, and some of these crypto exchanges were sort of selling populism, making a ton of money on their really high fees, he said in an interview with industry journalist Laura Shin in September of 2023. Historically, Coinbase has earned most of its revenue from transaction fees, and in 2022, Coinbase made $2.4 billion in transaction fees from institutional and retail investors, which accounted for 77% of its total net revenue of $3.1 billion. 
the firm has been working to cut its reliance on fees, though actively diver though actively diversifying the revenue streams to other income earning services such as subscriptions. Yeah, that's not going to help you. Nobody wants a subscription to a trading service. Sorry. That's just, no. Um, Are they right? Yeah, they're right. If the majority of institutional is going to go through ETFs, and they most likely will, they're not going to get a Kraken account. All right? They're just going to buy ETFs. It's easy. They've already got everybody who knows how an ETF operates. It's, It's plug and play. An ETF makes Bitcoin plug and play for these people, all right? There's no installation required. There's no, you know, 17,000 floppy disks that you got to stand there and baby while you're putting back, you know, into your computer back in the 90s, the way we used to do it with Windows 3.1. We've come a long way, baby, and plug and play is pretty much absolute. Not only is it expected, we don't even use the terms plug and play anymore when it comes to computer you know, putting in a graphics card or installing a game. Drivers just come along for the ride. You don't have to do any of that shit. And I had to do all of that shit. 90s, computers in the 90s were a pain in the ass if you wanted to just play a different game. I'm serious. There was, you you change your graphics card? Oh my God. You had to not only install new drivers, but before you even do that, you had to di- go find and disinstall the other drivers. There was all kinds of maintenance that you had to do just to play a game, much less all the other stuff, right? And and the argument on the street is always, oh, Bitcoin's too complicated. Well, yeah, it kind of is for boomers, I guess. I don't have that much of a problem with it, but there's a whole bunch of institutions that they just don't want to jack with it, dude. They just don't, and they won't, and they're going to use the ETF as a plug and play. So institutional, as far as going to Kraken, forget about it, right? Coinbase is going to be fine because they're going to custody at least over half of the Bitcoin in the 13 ETFs if and when they get approved, right? So just custody fees, they'll be fine, but the rest of them, you're going to have a hard time. Binance will probably survive, or not yeah, Binance will probably survive um, and a couple of the other ones. But if they're smaller ones, now nah, they're toast, dude, after this. Retail. Retail will still be there, kind of. But more and more, I think you're probably going to see uh, some serious consolidation in the, uh, in the uh, cryptocurrency exchange space. And I'm just not going to have any of it. I'm, I'm just going to buy Bitcoin where I can and self-custody it because I'm just tired of the regulatory landscape continuously looking like a threatening mudslide or avalanche or forest fire. I don't know the whole thing is a mess, but yeah, the Bitcoin spot ETF probably not going to be all that good for exchanges. Now, again, from Bitcoin magazine, this one written by the staff of Bitcoin magazine, the Bitcoin design foundation launches a supporting design in Bitcoin ecosystem. Let's find out what the hell that means. In a move towards advancing the role of design in the Bitcoin ecosystem, the Bitcoin Design Foundation emerges with the backing of founding supporters Spiral and Bitbox, as well as contributions from individuals who share in the belief that effective design is a catalyst for broader Bitcoin adoption. 
Since its inception in 2020, the Bitcoin design community has fostered a collaborative environment where individual designers and researchers supported by grants have worked towards bettering the ecosystem. This collective effort has yielded essential resources such as the Bitcoin Design Guide, the Bitcoin Wallet UI Kit, reference designs, and impactful initiatives like the Unified QR Code and Taproot campaigns. The community has participated in hundreds of calls, designathons, and collaborations with open source projects to enhance their design elements, all made possible by a few pivotal grants that kickstarted this initiative. With the establishment of the Bitcoin Design Foundation, the goal is to sustain and amplify these efforts. Core contributors and organizers of the Bitcoin Design community's projects and activities, Christopher Ono, Magashini Naidu, and Daniel Nord, lead the foundation. Officially registered with Open Collective Europe, a reputable nonprofit pro- uh, platform, the foundation ensures financial transparency and efficiency, allowing more time and resources to be dedicated to advancing Bitcoin design rather than administrative tasks. The foundation's primary focus is to support motivated individuals with grants that empower them to contribute to open source Bitcoin design user research in related areas. Additionally, the foundation will extend its support to community projects by covering ongoing or one-off costs, including domain fees, events, and educational materials. For those passionate about contributing to the cause, the foundation encourages donations through its dedicated donation page. So there you go. Bitcoin Design Foundation is now apparently a thing. If you have any wishes to engage in design, as far as user experience and maybe, I don't know, user interface, all these things are design elements, then go hit up the Bitcoin Design Foundation. And I want to uh, thank Yegro for 69 Satoshis over here on Zapstream, Grinder with 420, Kid Warp with the standard 2100, Yegro with another 69. Thank you all for supporting the show. I really appreciate it. Uh... Oh, God damn it. Cyborg is in my comments on Zapstream and is writing a paragraph. <laughs> I don't know. I, I th- I'm pretty sure that Cyborg is indeed an AI bot, but I'm just not, you know, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to deal with it. I, I recognize you AI, you know, overlord their Cyborg, but you know, no, I'm not going to read all of that. So, oh God, mempool goggles. I guess we should talk about it. Um, mempool.space is your place to go if you want to find out what's going on with the mempool. That's mempool.space. If you haven't been over there, I use it every day. I use it every single day. And they've got some really nice visualization tools. And one is, is that you can peer inside of blocks past and present or, or and future blocks too, right? So, and you can look at how many and of what size transactions there are that are contained in that block. And they're visualized just as little itty bitty tiny blocks and some little larger blocks and some great big blocks all packed inside of the biggest block, which is the actual block that's going to be mined by the miners. Now, before you could hover over each one of the individual things and you could find out information about it, but there could be like, you know, 5,000 transactions. 3,000 transactions. So there's 3,000 little blocks that you're looking at. And, you know, uh, 
dude, I, I don't want to look through all that, right? So the guys over at Mempool have introduced Mempool goggles. And they say in this post on Twitter, have you ever wished you had x-ray spectacles to see exactly what's inside the Mempool? No, me neither. But we built you a pair anyway. Honestly, this is pretty slick because I can go into mempool.space and I can just look at like the upcoming block and I click on it. And then it tells me all of the train. It shows me a visualization like I described of all the little blocks that are going to be, that are the transactions that are set to be mined in that block. And if in the top left corner, you'll see a little pair of goggles. And if you click those goggles, you'll get a drop down list of a bunch of filters. And one of the filters that I used this morning was inscriptions and discovered that the block that I was looking at had well over half of its block space devoted to inscriptions. Yeah, I know. I shouldn't have done that on a Monday morning either because I was like, oh my God, it's just, it's worse than you possibly imagine. But you can look at how many trans, like it will highlight the blocks, by the way. So when I hit inscriptions, it kind of grays everything out except for the blocks that are actual inscriptions. And then it will show you those in comparison to where they are relative in, you know, to the other transactions in the block. You can mix and match. You can do just one of the filters. You like two or three of the filters. You look at like stuff like RBF. In fact, let me get it up here. Uh, Mempool.space. Let me give you a list of what's going on here. Come on, baby. Come on, huh? Goggles. Okay. So RBF enabled, uh, transactions that have it disabled, uh, version one, version two. Uh, you look at different address types like uh, P2PK, bear multisig, taproot. Uh, you can look at stuff like paid by paid for by child, pays for parent or replacement. And you can look at the oper- stuff that has op return, stuff that is like coin join. That's a, that's a big one right now that's in the news is like, oh my God, it's a coin join transaction. Whatever shall we do? Well, apparently blocks in block space uh, or block mempool.space, you can actually go look at all of the uh, coin join transactions. And if I look, I just clicked on one and I see zero coin join transactions in this particular block. So it's just a way to, to further kind of look at what's going on inside of a, of a particular block. Um, so if you haven't checked out mempool.space, go, go try on the goggles. They're, they're actually pretty cool. Okay. Politics and crypto. What could possibly go wrong? Ripple, Coinbase, and A16Z have invested $78 million in a pro-crypto political action campaign ahead of U.S. elections. That's a pack. I think it's political, no, political action committee, not campaign, a pack, $78 million from Ripple, Coinbase, and A16Z. We are so not out of the woods, it's not even funny. These vultures are everywhere. And let's see what they're doing from Gareth Jenkinson, Cointelegraph. Ripple CEO Brad Garlinghouse has publicly announced the company's intent to support pro-crypto candidates during the 2024 United States election season. The company is among a group to have pledged a total of $78 million to support the Fair Shake Political Action Committee, the PAC. 
Fairshake announced that prominent industry firms and players have contributed to a significant war chest to back candidates who support American crypto and blockchain innovations and responsible regulation in the upcoming 2024 elections. Can you see where this is going? The list of contributors includes the following scumbags. Coinbase CEO Brian Armstrong, Tyler and Cameron Winklevoss, a.k.a. the Winklevi, Circle, Coinbase, Kraken, Masari, and Andreessen Horowitz, otherwise known as A16Z. Garlinghouse took to Twitter to condemn regulatory overreach in the country and said Ripple would be leading the charge with other industry leaders to support candidates lobbying for complementary regulation of the industry in 2024. Quote, regulatory overreach, especially from the SEC, is actively moving the United States in the wrong direction and other countries are taking full advantage of the lack of U.S. leadership. We need to advance leaders who will champion innovation and spearhead paths towards responsible regulation. The Ripple CEO added that the industry needs to encourage initiatives that promote transparency, innovation, and a compliance-first approach. Brad Garlinghouse lives on his knees. He wants to comply. He will comply. He has always complied because that's Brad for you. That's Brad. Not a fucking spine on that little worthless scumbag. Cryptocurrency firms operating in the United States have faced an uphill battle against regulators over the past two years. The Securities and Exchange Commission in particular has copped widespread criticism from industry players for its regulate by enforcement approach. The securities regulator set its sights on both Coinbase and Binance in 2023, insinuating or sorry, instituting separate legal proceedings against both companies for alleged securities offering violations. Andreessen Horowitz founder and managing director Chris Dixon has announced that the firm would contribute to the Fair Shake Pack in 2024. The pack aims to elect leaders who will champion thoughtful crypto regulation that balances consumer protections. Quote, There's a battle in Washington about the future of blockchain technology. Certain policymakers believe it should be banned, while other people think it should have no guardrails. Neither of these options will allow the technology to reach its full potential and realign the future of the Internet away from big tech to the people who use it. Bullshit. That is a bullshit statement. Sorry. The A16Z founder said that the coalition will aim to raise funds to support the PAC and help advance clear rules of the road to support technological innovation and route out bad actors. And according to Politico, the PAC has already spent $1.2 million on television advertising campaigns in the United States. Okay. I want to read this one sentence again before we get off this. There's a battle in Washington about the future of blockchain technologies. Certain policymakers believe it should be banned. Others think it should have no guardrails. And here's the crux. Neither of those options will allow the technology to reach its full potential and realign the future of the Internet away from big tech to the people who use it. How did, how did we go from having real money to realigning the future of the internet away from big tech. No, 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 no. There's something very wrong with this statement. There's something very, very wrong with the statement. There's something very, very wrong by the, uh, from the mind of the guy that the, the, this Dixon dude that constructed this statement. This is wrong. This has, Yes, the internet is an important component of all of this. But it's 
the whole reason we're here is not to realign the future of the internet away from big tech. That is not why I'm here. I I mean, it's sure that's an important thing to do all by itself. It doesn't, we don't, you know, I don't need to be doing that under the banner of Bitcoin. That shit needs to be done anyway. We have other options for that, like Noster. But be that as it may, I fail to see how Bitcoin has anything to do with, I mean, you see what I'm getting at? It doesn't make sense. That is a limited scope. Bitcoin fixes the internet and only the internet. Is that what Chris Dixon is trying to say? I'm not suggesting that Bitcoin fixes every little thing under the sun. I don't think that's true, but it fixes far more shit than just a broken internet that's being controlled by big tech. I'm not saying the internet isn't important. Not saying that shit at all, but there's something seriously wrong with this sentence. Neither of neither the option of banning Bitcoin or, or, or banning cryptocurrency or not having any guardrails of cryptocurrency will allow the technology to reach the full potential and realign the future of the internet away from big tech. No, there's something very wrong with Chris Dixon. There has always been something wrong with A16Z, but this one, man, stay away from this guy. And while you're staying away from Chris Dixon, we'll run the numbers. CNBC, futures and commodities. They got oil. West Texas Intermediate is up almost a full point and a half to $72.47. Brent North Sea likewise up 1.84% to $77.96. Natural gas up a half to $2.50. And gasoline up 1.02 to 2 bucks and 15 cents. Gold is the only shiny metal rock doing anything of value today. It's up a quarter of a point. Uh, $2,041.60. Silver is down a fifth of a point. Platinum just turned green, but by negligible. Copper down over a point. Palladium is down almost a point. Lumber is up almost a full point. Everything in ag is pretty much mixed. Uh, It's red and green. It's Christmas colors. Uh, The biggest winner is going to be coffee. 2.35% to the upside. The biggest loser is Sugar, almost three full points to the downside. Live cattle is up 0.13%. Lean hogs are down a third. Feeder cattle are up almost a full point. The Dow is up 0.13%. S&P is up 0.69. NASDAQ up 0.88. And the S&P mini is up a fifth of a point. Bonds have all the yields have turned green today. All of them have added more yield to the face value of the bonds. Uh, We've got the 30-year yielding 4.06%, the 20-year yielding 4.24%, and the 10-year 3.95%. The dollar index has fallen yet again. It's actually down below 103. It's hitting 102.59 on the ICE US dollar index. Now to Bitcoin, $41,636.14. Uh, let's see, what do we got here? 0.3 BTC is an average transaction value and 22 United States pennies as the median transaction value. And that means that yes, ordinals are setting the mempool on fire 
again. Thank God miners have stepped up to the plate. Looks like we've added some hash rate. Eight minutes and 56 seconds is the block time right now. 2.53 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis. And again, 406.87 BTC taken in fees overall in the last 24 hour period with hash rate hitting uh, going up 2.5%. We are, ow, nam, 518.89 exahashes per second. Your shitcoin indicator, Doge, has fallen to nine United States pennies. $815.1 billion is the market cap. That's just a little bit over 6% of gold's entire market cap. You can get 20.8 ounces of shiny metal rocks with your one Bitcoin. 5,014.4 of those, however, are in the Lightning Network valued at $208.8 million. 14,598 nodes. 60,768 total channels and 79.8% of all that shit's being run over Tor. Mempools, as you might imagine, packed and stacked. We're looking at well over 340 blocks carrying almost 300,000 unconfirmed transactions waiting to clear with priority costs of 146 Satoshis per V-byte. Low priority cost is going to cost you 128. And anything under 17.9 is being purged from mempools around the world. Hash rate, according to mempool.space, is 534.3 exahashes per second. Next block is going to be, what, block 821820. And I'm going to filter it for, for um, oh, what am I looking for? Uh, where, where'd you go? Where'd you go? Where is it? Uh, t- wait, hold on. Inscriptions. There we go. Filtering for inscriptions. Uh, about a little under half of this block is is inscriptions. Just so you know. Now, from Ledger is Fully Compromised, episode 833 of Bitcoin and, we have O2ZX with 2,500 Satoshis, dot, dot, dot. Thank you, brother. Dubrovko with 1400 says, regarding Ledger, as my uncle used to say, fuck me and a half. (laughs) Regarding crowd health, that's really cool. Brought balance to the force with Ledger. Bitcoin coach 821, hashtag all sats matter at hashtag all sats matter.com. Pies with 500 says, thank you, sir. No, thank you. And user 303-94172 with 100 sats and a couple of emojis that I can't read because my operating system is literally that old. And that's going to do it for the weather report. Welcome to part two of the news that you can use starting this one off with Bitcoin magazine and another one from Nick Hoffman. But before we actually read the article, I got a few words to say about um, David Bailey. Uh, CEO of Bitcoin Magazine. Stop being a dick. Stop being a dick. I saw that he uh, tweeted the other day that uh, the haters of ordinals and inscriptions have made Bitcoin Magazine rich. And uh, he thanks us. He thanks us for uh, making sure that, that it's our fault that uh, the mempool is completely jacked and stacked and packed and whacked. I mean, it's just, it's our fault because we hate it on ordinals, right? I've, it's, it's odd that I find people that make statements that call into question 
leadership prowess. And this one, I have to, I, I got to call David Bailey out on it. You should not have said this shit. This is the kind of shit that makes people want to publish their articles somewhere else. I'm working on one right now. I kind of wanted to give it over to Bitcoin Magazine, but now I'm, I might just self-publish it, even though it's not going to have the eyeballs. But I, I just, I don't know what it takes for these people to start understanding that it's not us vocalizing the fact that we think this shit is, is garbage. It's them for getting their panties in a snit and using their platform that has millions of eyeballs on it to run a scam. Because that's what I think all this shit is. It's a scam. The whole, I mean, if you've got an inscription, you got scammed. If you minted an inscription, you are scamming. If you're trading inscriptions, depending on where you leave it, you either got scammed or you're actively scamming. It is that simple. If you're promoting inscriptions, you're scamming or at least helping scamming. This is just the way it is. I don't necessarily think inscriptions should be filtered out of the out of the mempool uh, with a hard fork or anything like that, or something that's going to change the dynamics of the way that Bitcoin actually works. Especially, I'm not a fan of changing any of the consensus rules. That's right out. I won't support that shit at all. But I, I saw a couple of people that took heat because they turned the filter on what size they're, you know, what size... Um, Oh, I can't remember what it is. There's a there's a particular opcode that helps filter by size of your uh, the transactions that you want your node to validate, right? And they got shit for it because they increased the size so that that ordinals wouldn't or inscriptions wouldn't get through in their mempool. That's not going to stop those inscriptions, by the way. But still, that's a personal choice of the node runner themselves. That node runner is not pushing that filtering to any of the other nodes on the network. So I don't understand why. I, well, I mean, I understand why people got pissed. You're censoring. When you're doing it for yourself, that's fine. And don't let anybody tell you that it's not fine. There's not a person in the world that I would force to listen to something that they don't want to listen to. But I will not sit by and watch some dickhead who doesn't want to hear anything think that nobody else should hear it either. There's a difference between what you want to listen to and what you don't want others to listen to. One is a personal choice. One is censorship. There's a big difference. But be that as it may, I've never, I've never seen anything like this. And I don't know how long ago that that was said. Uh, I don't know when David Bailey said that. I just saw it yesterday for the first time. So I don't, you know, if somebody knows when he, when exactly he said it, please let me know. But, uh, I, I, I just, I feel that it's necessary to call these people out, even though it, it doesn't do me any good. Right. I mean, I'm not going to be invited to the Bitcoin conference. You know, if, if David Bailey were to ever hear what I just said, I can pretty much kiss the Bitcoin conference goodbye as being like a member or being invited as a speaker. That's ne- that's probably never going to happen. It probably never was going to happen. But when you just have to call somebody out and they happen to be the CEO of the largest Bitcoin conference in the history of Bitcoin, yeah, you probably just shot yourself in the foot, but I can't help it. That shit was wrong. That shit needs to be retracted. 
If anybody in this audience or whatever's got David Bailey's ear, just tell him to retract that shit. There was, there was no reason for that. That was spiteful, trollish behavior that has no place at the level of a C-suite professional office. Absolutely reprofuckinghensible. Now, real estate. <clears throat> real estate investors are flocking to Bitcoin in record numbers, according to a Swiss exchange. Like I said, this is out of Bitcoin Magazine. It is written by Nick Hoffman. Relay, a Swiss Bitcoin exchange, has disclosed with Bitcoin Magazine that a staggering 75% of its over-the-counter revenue in the final quarter of 2023 stemmed from private clients diverting proceeds from real estate sales into Bitcoin, showcasing a seismic shift in investment strategies among investors. The surge is a response to the real estate market's upheaval, compelling investors to pivot their portfolios toward better opportunities presented by Bitcoin. Leon Wankham, a Bitcoin expert specializing in real estate, explained, quote, Bitcoin as an emerging asset class potentially offers much higher growth potential for many investors, while the real estate market is in a crisis and demand has died down. Gee, I wonder why. The trend isn't confined to real estate alone, said Relay. Bitcoin is rapidly siphoning capital from traditional assets like securities and bonds. With experts forecasting a similar migration, once a Bitcoin spot exchange traded fund gains regulatory approval by the Securities and Exchange Commission in the United States. Relay's year-over-year OTC volume spike of over 100% scores this transition. Notably, High net worth individuals and companies are driving the surge with monthly volumes through Relay Private and Relay Business rising 30% in the third quarter of 2023. Quote, if this trend continues, we can expect to see a substantial increase in Bitcoin's market cap and price in the coming months and years. Relay is committed to providing investors with the tools and resources that they need to navigate this evolving market. There's the suit speak. We are seeing a growing demand for our services and we are investing in our platform to meet this demand, says Relay CEO and co-founder Julian Lineger, I guess is how you pronounce it. Anyway, the shift from real estate to Bitcoin is particularly pronounced in Switzerland where awareness of Bitcoin's distinctive properties is steadily rising. Leon Wankham, also the head of Bitcoin strategies at OneVest Developments, explained how easy it can be for investors to convert their real estate capital into Bitcoin, stating, quote, The process is a lot easier and faster than most people realize. With a service like Relay, such a transaction can take as little as one day, end quote. The migration of investment capital from real estate to Bitcoin represents a potentially monumental shift in financial paradigms as this trend gains momentum. The Bitcoin industry readies itself in anticipation for wealth from traditional asset classes to move into Bitcoin. Okay. <clears throat> well, if the numbers are true, if, if what Relay is saying is an actual fact and not just them, you know, I don't know, doing market manipulation through press release because people do that, right? Don't think that they don't, you know, I mean, cause like now people, the people that read the story that have real estate might be going, Oh shit. Oh shit. And it changes calculus in some people. It changes the calculus so much that they have an itchy trigger finger 
to the point that they pull that trigger and liquidate some real estate holdings into Bitcoin simply because they were already nervous to begin with. And then all of a sudden, this particular thing out of Relay says, hey, we're seeing a lot of this shit. Okay, let's assume that that's not the case. Let's assume that this is 100% above board. Why is it important? Because real estate is one of the largest markets in the world and has been for a very, very long time. Prices of homes across the world skyrocketed, not only because of these interest rates that kept going up, but because somehow or another, it, the money was so cheap to get that houses that were, would fly off the market because any idiot that could fog a mirror and had a half a heartbeat could get a fucking loan. And so what do they do? They go buy the house. Well, the house is off the market. The more houses that are off the market, the more difficult those houses are to actually get a hold of, the price goes up. And then, and then, and then they were locked by a two and a half to 3% mortgage into where they live. They can never move because now the interest rates are so high, there's no way you can get the same home somewhere else at the same mortgage price. So now the houses that were snapped up off the market are still gone. People want to move. There's a lot of people that do. There's a lot of people that don't, but there's a lot of people that do and they won't because they know they're not getting that rate again. Their children might not get that rate and they will just stay right where they are. And that's one of the reasons why we haven't seen a whole lot of crashing in home prices. But after a while, the people that are delinquent, you know, heavily delinquent on their mortgages, they're, it's going to start stacking up. And banks are going to start pulling plugs. When? I don't know. I was talking to my wife about it earlier today. The whole thing reminds me of that scene in the big short where Dr. Homeboy that listens to metal in his office all day, who's smarter than everybody else because he actually looked at what was inside these freaking CDOs and these, like, these, these mortgage collateralized debt obligations and all that shit. He actually saw what was going on inside because he was an autist and he decided to look. And he couldn't understand after two years after he had built the investment product that hedged against the collapse of the real estate market, why it hadn't collapsed. He's freaking out in his office. All of his investors want to flee. They're threatening lawsuits. It's two years later and he's down like 25%. He's underwater on this entire thing. And he was 100% correct. It just did not happen when he thought it was going to happen. What happened, he guessed correctly. The only thing he got wrong was when. Why? Because the market can stay stupid longer than you can stay liquid. That is a rule. Always remember that and it will help you out. Now, moving on. Uh, where are we at? Yeah, I'm not going to do that one. All right, mining. Bitcoin mining is back in the news a little bit. Helen Parts, Cointelegraph. Bitcoin miner Cypher buys 37,000 Bitmain ant miners for $99.5 million. Freaking dollars. Are you bullish yet? 
oh, the price is dropping. We're all going to die. Then why is Cypher buying $100 million of bit of bit uh, main ant miners? Huh? 37,000 units, dude. Let's get into it. Publicly traded Bitcoin mining firm Cypher Mining is scaling operations with a new mega purchase of cryptocurrency mining devices. Cypher will buy 37,396 units of Antminer T21s. These are brand new. This isn't the old bullshit. From the Chinese crypto mining giant Bitmain under a new agreement the firm announced on December the 18th. The new mining equipment to be bought is expected to deliver 7.1 exahashes per second. That's exahashes per second of self-mining capacity for the first half of 2025, the announcement notes. <clears throat> According to CEO Tyler Page, the purchase will allow Cypher to build its first 135 megawatt uh, facility, newly acquired Black Pearl site. Cypher also secured the option to acquire an additional 45,706 miners, representing another 8.7 exahashes per second in 2024. Oh my shit. So they bought 38,000. They've got an option to buy 46,000 more. How are you not bullish? The purchase allows Cypher to lock the price of mining rigs in at a very attractive price of $14 per terahash. The CEO noted, adding, quote, we are controlling our biggest potential capital expenditure and locking in favorable terms ahead of what we will believe, what we believe will be a bull market for Bitcoin, end quote. The investment is evidence of Cypher's bullish outlook on the Bitcoin market. In November of 2023, Cypher reportedly signed a purchase agreement to acquire a new Texas site for $7 million paid in newly issued common stock. The site is reportedly anticipated to become operational in 2025, boasting a potential capacity of up to 300 megawatts. Cypher has also been aggressively buying new crypto mining devices in 2023, bagging 11,000 Kanan A1 346 mining rigs back in May. Based on the United States or based in the United States, Cypher Mining went public in 2021 after signing a $2 billion merger deal with NASDAQ listed Good Works Acquisition Corporation. The company is a subsidiary of the cryptocurrency mining firm Bitfury, which reportedly mined at least 600,000 Bitcoin or nearly 3% of all Bitcoin ever to be mined as of March 2021. See, people forget about Bitfury, and you shouldn't forget about Bitfury, okay? They're, they, they, I think they're in stealth mode. I mean, good, the Good Works Acquisition Corp. Doesn't sound anything like Bitfury, but when you look further into it, you find out that it's a wholly owned subsidiary of, of Bitfury. So... They are so, they're try. they are ground hugging. They are in radar avoidance mode. And yet with this acquisition, man, they're, they're going to be a, Bitfury is going to be a powerhouse mining. You, you wait, you wait, watch what, you watch what happens. I guarantee it. All right. Where are we at? Elements Academy. From No Bullshit Bitcoin, that's NoBSBitcoin.com, Elements Academy, instructional videos for learning liquid and elements. And before you guys yell at me for talking about a shit coin, I don't exactly know if liquid is a real shit coin or not. I still have yet to make a determination. 
There's a lot of people that I respect, deeply respect, and have respected for a very long time that are, have been and still are seriously looking at liquid, not to be a replacement for Bitcoin. But if a side chain were to actually work and work well, these people that I respect are looking at liquid as the first evidence that that might, that if there were, if that was the case, it would be something like liquid that would actually prove it. Right. So everybody put your rocks down and don't hurl them at me until after I finish reading this one. Elements Academy helps users to learn how to set up and run a liquid node. Peg in, use the Elements CLI for custom features, create your own Bitcoin sidechain, and more. Introducing Elements Academy, a new instructional video series to help you learn liquid and the open source Elements platform that it's built on announced Liquid Network on Twitter. Elements Academy will be available on two platforms, Build on L2 and on YouTube. Both apparently are like, you know, video streaming sites. Okay. Quote, we recommend using the Build on L2 version as it offers text-based learning, a progress tracker, and quizzes embedded in each section for greater convenience. Oh, that's kind of cool. However, to use the BOL2 version, you will need to create a username, which can be a pseudonym if you prefer. If you opt for the YouTube version, you can still access the quizzes by checking the description box. At launch, Elements Academy comprises 10 sections with a total of 30 lessons. Each section, <coughs> excuse me, each section includes learning through text and a video that ends in a short quiz so that you can quickly test your knowledge. We plan to expand upon the initial release of Elements Academy by adding new tutorials and content. Additionally, we will continue to build out the developer portal and documentation site and share new toolkits, SDKs, and libraries from the community, which will be a valuable resource for new developers looking to work with Liquid. For any feedback and to let us know what developer tools or tutorials we should add or improve upon, please reach out to us on the BOL2 platform. All right, so if you want to learn about Liquid, this seems to be the place to go because it's actually tutorials from the guys that are building Liquid. All right, so again, don't throw your rocks at me just yet. All right, there seems to be the real potential here, but I don't know. Why? I've never touched liquid right now in my life. I don't, I need another blockchain. Like I need another hole in the head. I just do Bitcoin and lightning. I caught a lot of flack when I started using lightning. I was like, there people were like, that's a, that's a lightning token. You just traded in your Bitcoin for lightning. No, that's not how that works. But I'm sure that the exact same thing. And I've already heard some people actually say it that you're trading in your Bitcoin for, for L Bitcoin. So therefore it's, it's a shit coin. I'm going to leave that up to you to make your determination on that. And I'm not going to prescribe anything whatsoever. So just understand I'm bringing this to you because if you're interested, I mean, that's a lot of work. They said, what did they say here? They got 10 full sections of, 30 lessons. So there's three lessons inside each one of these sections. They've prepared quizzes. There's text, there's video. That's a lot of work. Believe me, that's a shit ton of work. Anyway, 
Let's see if I get, let me see if uh, I get some some hate here. Uh, Kid Warp says, LBTC seems all right for now as what it is. Uh, Beefiest miners back in the day. Okay, not... Kid Warp is give, is is not giving me any kind of <clears throat> any kind of ribbon for talking about liquid in a Bitcoin podcast, so maybe I'm, I'm I'll I'll survive it. But here are some plebs that I that I recognize as being fully Bitcoin only. Pleb Lab, and they are announcing Top Builder. Okay, Top Builder is an intense competition designed to discover the next wave of innovators in the Bitcoin ecosystem. With many teams competing over two months and three challenging rounds, this event is the pinnacle of Bitcoin building contest. This eight-week educational program is an exciting blend of builder sessions, workshops, announcement, and speaker panels, all designed to foster learning and growth within our community. Presented by at underscore Wolf NYC and at Pleb Lab. Apply before Saturday. January the 13th. Oh, that's a shame to participate in this unique Bitcoin competition and win up to $15,000 in Bitcoin. Learn more uh, at Pleb Lab. Okay. So while we're too late to get into that shit now, so I I don't understand that. They, they actually wrote this. When did this go on? This was six hours ago that they put this up here. Saturday. Oh, January 13th, not December. You have until Saturday, January, 2024. Okay, January the 13th, 2024. So yes, you you still have time. I don't know, my brain is melting or something like that. But Top Builder from Pleb Lab, apply before Saturday, January the 13th, 2024. And Yegro says January is next month. Yeah, dude, I caught myself. I caught myself. I did it. I did it all by myself. And I, you know what? I think that that, yep, we're, we're an hour in. So ladies and gentlemen, Without further ado, I bid you a good day, a good week, and don't let the inscribers get your ass down. Fuck them anyway, and I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.